Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to all of our social media sites, including Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, where we simulcast the show every morning, as well as our podcasts and more, and streaming across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is The Michael Duke Show. Well, I appreciate you coming on. All right, we are just a minute or two out here, so I'm going to put you back in the green room. Don't go anywhere. You sound good. You look good man he's classing the joint up what the heck i'm gonna actually have to go put on a tie or a scarf or a jacket or something that's all fine i'm all good for it folks if you haven't yet would you do me a favor would you please like and share the show would you like and follow the show page would you subscribe and ring the bell on youtube and do all the internet things that i always ask you to do simply because it gets more people involved in the conversation that's what it's all about. So let just do that. Do that now. Do it. And uh, all right. <laughs> Hunter Buck says this man is in some shorts from the waist down. Hey, look, I'm, ne- I'm never here to judge. I might be in underwear right now. I will never tell you. All right. Here we go, folks. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, like a chair, like a chair, like a chair. Let's let's do this. Here we go. All right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for uh, coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show continues this morning. We're going to dive right into this with our candidates. We've been interviewing candidates for the last uh, couple, three weeks, and it's been a, whew, man, it's been a like taking a sip from a fire hose. Lots of information, lots of good stuff. And we continue. Now we're back down into the Anchorage area. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about, uh, this is the Southwest Anchorage District, Ocean View, Clatt, Diamond, Huffman, and our guest is uh, Mike Insolaco, who is the, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, he is the Libertarian candidate for uh, for House District 10. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great, Michael. Thank you very much for having me on the show today. Well, I appreciate that. And did I pronounce it right? Is it Insolaco? Is that right? Insolaco is right. My first name is Mikkel, though. Oh, um, Mikkel. I, I, yeah. I, I apologize. See, that's... No that's, you know, I, I hate that. I hate it when I screw up somebody's name, but that's okay. We're, we're all good. So Mikel Insolaco is uh, our guest and uh, we're getting ready to dive into it. And uh, so first things first, because probably many people have no idea who you are. Um, uh, let's get a little bit of background, who you are, where you are, where you came from. Let's start there. Absolutely. Um, my name is Mikel Insolaco. 
as uh, Michael mentioned, I'm running for House District 10 here in Southwest Anchorage, which, um, you know, I was born and raised here in Alaska. I'm actually a third generation Alaskan. Um, my son now makes the fourth generation being raised here in Alaska. And um, I've lived and worked in Southwest Anchorage uh, the majority of my, uh, my life. And um, I've left Alaska a couple times, but for some reason, I always make my way back. And I don't know if it's the long winters or the high cost of living. But I do know um, this is where my roots are and this is where I'm here to stay. Um, You know, I'm running because I have a family that I believe needs to be invested in now. And I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that I'm uh, protecting our future together for everybody. Yeah, I know when you leave Alaska, you don't know how, but it's that siren song that always calls you back. I I left a couple times when I was younger and then came back and said, yep, that's it. I'm done. I'm not leaving again. So I definitely, definitely feel that. Well, Mike, uh, uh, Mikhail, what what is, you know, what is the the reason? I mean, I always ask people, you know, what exactly did you lose your mind? I mean, what what made you decide to jump into politics of all things? Uh, you know, based on, you know, what you're doing right now, I mean, this is a commitment. What's the, what is the thing that, is there one thing or is it like a cumulative thing that caused you to jump into the political game? You know, it it was a big decision for sure, because, uh, you know, I worked, uh, I worked for Alaska public media and I've worked for other entities around the state, uh, big and small. I've worked in marketing and communications, uh, the majority of my career and have been awarded for the both design work as well as, you know, strategy work, even, uh, uh, helped uh, formulate the remote learning program for the school districts in Anchorage, as well as uh, you know North Star Borough as well, um, and uh, also worked on workforce development projects. You know, and, and those kind of things really inspired me. But my um, heart wasn't really in the rest of the marketing stuff. I wanted to make change in my community, which is why you know I lived down in Washington for two years, um, came back to Alaska because I realized I didn't want to invest any time or energy in uh, a community or within organizations that aren't where my home is. And my home is here in Alaska. Right. And so um, I made my way back up. And uh, I've, be- I've been here back up since 2016, 2017. Like I said, I was only gone a couple of years. And, um, you know, after uh, working for Alaska Public for a bit, I got to really observe um, a lot of the public sphere. And uh, I actually decided to leave my position so that way I could help support um, candidates that I believed in. Because I believe the only way to make a change is to be part of it. And so first I left Alaska Public, helped uh, run uh, Sean Thorne's campaign, actually, as a communications director. And then um, after I saw a lack of of what I saw was uh, accurate representation of Alaskans, meaning everybody and all of our interests uh, at both the assembly level and seeing that happen across the country, I wanted to make sure I threw my hat in. It's interesting. I mean, did you? Uh, this is a sidebar, but <clears throat> did you have to leave your position to be able to pursue these things, or was it was that a, was that a difficult thing? I mean, or was it uh, something you could have done conjointly, or was it something that had to happen? It, it could have not. It would have. Ooh, looks like I uh, lost lost the video there, but I still got your audio there. So go ahead. All right. Uh, yeah, I should come back here in a second. If not, I can get it fixed up. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I'll get that back on here in just a moment. Um, I'm going to back up camera. But uh, yeah, so I could have not, I would not have been able to stay there um, if I, you know, while pursuing a political interest. But it happened to be at the right place at the right time. I was, um, my wife uh, ended up having some things that she wanted to pursue. So it made sense for me to step away from Alaska Public and pursue both. Have my wife have, actually have her opportunities and for me to support candidates where I'm passionate. Yeah. Well, it's it's good to know. So as we look at these things, and of course, as we talk about it, uh, one of the things that I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I love to ask uh, each and every candidate is, uh, you know, 
you've now gotten a chance to go out and talk to your constituency. You've had a chance to meet and greet, and I'm assuming press the flesh and and knock on doors and everything else. So what is uh, what are your constituents? What are the constituents in District 10 telling you are you know telling you are important i mean is it the is it the crime is it the the budget is it the pfd is it the economy is it inflation is it uh you know schools what is it what is it that the majority of your constituents are coming to you and uh and talking about and saying this is what we care about what are those things that uh, that are important to them in that regard well you know it, the the issues are spread i have to say in my district in particular What I'm hearing from constituents more than anything is they want to ensure that our education for our children is protected for the future, but not only financially, but from the perspective of giving them options that they feel um, best meet the needs of their children's future. Um, So education is a big topic. PFD continues to be a a really uh, hot ticket item amongst every family that I've spoken with, um, as well as public safety. But more than anything, people just want to see a secure future financially for Alaska because. Um, I think everybody can agree that we have uh, a lack of diversity in our economy. Right. No, exactly. I mean, we are definitely a resource-based economy. And it, it's interesting because every area and every every uh, candidate that I've talked to in every area now has said that the PFD is one of those high things. That, that I mean, it's, it's on the highest list. It's either the first thing or maybe the second thing that constituents talk about. But we are continually told by many by many uh, politicians that, well, you know, the PFD is okay, but, you know, we need to be able to spend it to be able to make your lives better. And I think most people are saying, no, no, we, we, we can figure it out for ourselves. What's your position on the PFD? Should the legislature be following the law? Should they be paying the PFD at a statutory amount? Should it be a sustainable PFD? Should it be a a PFD that we can afford? I mean, I don't want to mince words. I want to figure out what, what is your position on the PFD as a as a total package? Well, I have a few different uh, ways I want to look at this. But first and foremost, I, uh, I don't think that there should be anything but the law followed right now by the legislature. Um, I think until they change the law or uh, the people put up a proposition, a bill proposition um, to essentially modify the PFD or if the legislature puts forward a constitutional uh, amendment that the people can vote on, um, I'm not for doing anything but following the formula as it currently exists. I am not for um, the state pilfering the fund, uh, because I don't feel that that is sustainable. It, it keeps uh, postponing the inevitable question of is what are we going to do to continue to fill our coffers? And everybody's looking for one one answer, right, for right. the state coffers to be right. filled. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I mean, even uh, looking at the, the various economic reports, especially from AEDC, you can see that we're um, putting our eggs still in just a few baskets when there's many baskets that they could be in. And, and, and again, it's not going to be one thing that fills that budget. It's going to be removing obstacles generally for businesses and opening those opportunities for Alaskans so that way we can uh, rely less on the PFD. Now, returning to the PFD, though, I, uh, I believe you know, if a constitutional amendment was brought forward, I would like to see um, some strong protections uh, for the PFD, but then also ensure that you know, if it's something where we do need to have a sustainable and lower amount, perhaps gives the, give uh, Alaskans ability to access the capital in the form of loans. Right. So um, because they already issue loans, why can't the people uh, have access to those as low rate loans 
to invest in capital investments in Alaska while still receiving a PFP. Right. Maybe a little smaller. Right. So you're looking at, uh, so again, just to clarify, statutory PFD, you favor that, not the leftover, not the sustainable, not the things like that. Um, would you, uh, any changes to the PFD, would you put those up for an advisory vote in front of the people? You know, I, I honestly would like to look over all the options first before I move forward. I, I first would like to talk to the uh, the PFD management as well and just kind of understand how the fund could be diversified to include more Alaskan investments. Um, that's the biggest thing. Even the legislature may not have direct authority over how um, those funds are distributed amongst that group. Um, I do think that it's something that we can help influence. Um, another thing I think would be interesting is that it's called a dividend. Uh, I think it'd be kind of fascinating if we actually um, treated it less of like a more of like an actual dividend and had the state of Alaska and the people split shares. Um, right. I, I think that would be kind of interesting. And every year uh, residents get reissued their share and it gets taken away as they're not eligible. And that kind of protects them and the ability as being an owner of that fund. Because one thing I think in this debate gets left out is uh, what the PFD is for, which is substituting our right to manage our own mineral rights and right. uh, resources. Right. But should the people have a say? And I guess what I'm saying is if we decide to change the statute, if we decide to go to a, what you're suggesting, again, a, like a POMV model, as you said earlier, like a 50-50 split or or however we want to, any kind of fundamental change, shouldn't the people have a vote in that or at least a voice in that, advisory or, or uh, a binding, one of the two, shouldn't the people have a voice in that? Absolutely. I, I do think the people should have a voice in that. Unfortunately, the people can, I think the best way to protect it is with a constitutional amendment. Unfortunately, the people cannot bring a constitutional amendment uh, forward. They can, you know, advise the uh, legislature to do so, um, you know, through ballots. And then they can vote on it once the legislature, by uh, two-thirds vote, um, determines that they, right. uh, that they want to move that bill forward. I would um, support, instead of um, making the decision for the people and having it all, a bill be all in the House and the Senate, I would uh, propose essentially having a uh, constitutional amendment proposed, which right. would be voted on by the people that we can actually have protected for the long term. Well, that actually brings us to one of the bigger questions. Of course, we've got the decentennial uh, constitutional convention question on the ballot right now, um, which would open up the Constitution to be able to make some of the changes, not just obviously not just on a single question. You're talking about a single question uh, 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 amendment, but basically opens it up for a new batch of delegates and basically says we can make any changes we want. And some have advocated, obviously, for enshrining the PFD, putting a spending cap in there, changing the way that we vote and retain judges. Uh, and there, of course, there's all other kinds of questions in there. What's your thought on the uh, what's your thought on the Constitutional Convention? Should we vote yes or should we vote no? Why? I believe I, per, personally, I I am uh, more for the constitutional amendment process because I believe the people have a, a, a direct ability to influence it versus having to ratify any changes made by the delegates during a constitutional convention. So um, to answer the question, I'm not personally for the Constitutional Convention. Um, if the people choose to vote on it, then if I were elected as a legislator, I would uh, do my best to represent the interests of the constituents at, uh, as it pertains to uh, the process. And then, of course, support delegates that I uh, feel would best represent the community uh, as they get elected for the convention. Um, I think that opening it up is a little dangerous because we have some uh, amazing protections that already exist within Alaska's constitution. Um, you know, every time I look through it, I'm just amazed at, uh, at, at some of the protections and how far ahead of uh, the curve Alaska was with 
protecting people and their individual rights, um, how we continue to be that way as well. So um, I personally would like to protect the Constitution as it exists. But, um, and if people want to bring forward ratifications or if we want to do constitutional amendments to add some things, I'm totally for it. Um, I do have a wish list in case that were to occur, but it's not something that I think is necessary for those things to occur. So. Uh, Mikel Insolaco is our guest. He is the Libertarian candidate for House District 10, which is the Southwest Anchorage area. Uh, we're coming up against the break time here, so we're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, folks, if you'd like to find out more, you can come online here. His website is uh, housedistrict10.com, the number 10, housedistrict 10 Dot com. Mikel Insolaco, our guest. We continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. That is uh, what we do each and every day. We'll return in just a moment with Mikel Insolaco. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we're in the break right now uh, with Mikel Insolaco and... Um, I see he was getting his camera squared away. You're all, all good to go there? Yeah, I was just trying to get the other one working. I don't know why it turned off on me. My it's, apologies. No, it's it happens. This is uh, the wonderful world of technology. That's uh, that's how it works around here. Um, all right. Um, why? Um, let's see. Bill says, why do they keep saying sustainable PFD? Isn't it based on market value as long as they don't spend the PFD or the PF away? The dividends will always be sustained. I mean, and that's the truth. I mean, the dividends are based not on the permanent fund itself, but on the earnings of the permanent fund. And I love this idea of sustainability. The sustainability only goes away if they stop putting the uh, 25% into the permanent fund and they stop and they stop retaining the earnings. That's the only way that it's no longer sustainable because it will always spin off earnings, sometimes big, sometimes small, but it will always continue to spin off earnings. And that's, I think that's a, that's a great thing. But we've heard a lot of that, Mikkel. We've heard, you know, uh, the, the terms sustainable uh, uh, PFD. We've heard the terms reasonable PFD. Uh, what we have not heard is really from many people is the statutory PFD, follow the law. Here's what the law says. Law says it'll be a five, you know, it'll be 21% of five years and yada, yada, basically a 20% rolling average of what the fund earns, uh, the permanent fund earns over the course of five years. That's, that's a pretty good formula. I mean, it takes in the ups and downs. It takes in the bull markets and the bear markets and, uh, and handles all those things. It kind of inflation proofs everything. It's a pretty good system when it's all said and done, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is, is that when I hear sustainable, for me, it's a matter of it's not sustainable for the state to rely on those funds and to take from the people. That's what's not sustainable to me. The fund itself is designed to be sustained. I mean, that's, that's why it's called the permanent fund. Yeah. And as a result, it's something that uh, un un unless for some weird reason, everybody gets paid back their mineral rights and given the opportunity to, uh, 
you know, participate like they do in Oklahoma and Texas with their own uh, property rights, then I think the PFD needs to be treated exactly as the law says. As we say around here, hashtag follow the damn law. That's uh, pretty much how it should be and how it should go uh, as we uh, as we're moving forward. Uh, when we get back here, uh, we're going to dive into this and talk about some of the other details of the budget. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've talked about the constitutional amendment process through the legislative side of things, which, I mean, in a theoretical world um, would be great, uh, would be perfect. The problem is, is that there is no political will to change. I mean, that's like the lunatics have got the keys to every door in the asylum. And you're like, come on, give me the keys. Give me the keys. Give me the keys. And they're like, no, no, no. Um, uh, we don't we don't want to give those up. I don't know. Is there is the political will for the legislature itself to pass constitutional amendments? Do you I mean, in watching it and observing it, do you think so? Well, the biggest thing is right now, I think that. um People understand and they've read the room. Uh, everybody I have talked to is sick of one thing in the legislature, and that's the bickering and the continuance of these issues that never get resolved. Because what ends up happening is, is that we don't ever address the other issues that affect us on a daily basis. And um, right. everybody can agree on that. And I, I know that there are a significant number of candidates and voters that are making their decisions based off of that. Um, I'm only hoping that the people do their best to hold the legislature accountable with their voice um, when it comes to not making this decision. Because if there isn't a constitutional convention that allows that to be protected, um, you know, we're going to know after November whether or not the people decided on that. And if they didn't, then the next move the legislature needs to make is deciding how they're going to protect the PFD or how they're going to move forward with it. Um, if, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, I think you do... You do, you do have a bit of a struggle in the Senate in getting that uh, taken care of because we've seen the PFD get repeatedly beat up in there. Well, that's um, right. I mean, as you said, it's the one issue that keeps getting batted around the room like a volleyball. I mean, that's all they're talking about. It's sucking up all the oxygen in the room. And yet any time there's been – I mean, the, the governors tried to put, put a constitutional amendment in. Some of the, the, some of the Republicans have tried, and it has gone absolutely nowhere. Uh, and so that's why I'm wondering – you know, if there is the political will to get it done in the legislative side of things, and if it won't take a con-con to make it happen. You know, I I guess we'll have to see. I'm My biggest answer is I think that there, I do have faith in the people to elect candidates that are, are standing on that platform of uh, protecting the PFD by any means possible. Um, you know, because uh, I've heard it enough that I'm hoping that's where people put their votes. Um, and when it comes down to the actual the legislators doing it, uh, that's a whole other story with yeah. politicians. We'll have to see. All right, we're 30 seconds out here. Mike Insul- uh, Mikel Insulaco is our guest, uh, libertarian candidate for House District 10, which is in southwest Anchorage. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion with him here in just a moment. Folks, please like and share the video. Like and follow the show page. No, it doesn't matter where you're watching us, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Facebook. You can like <laughs> You can like the show. All we need you to do is to uh, share the show and then to follow or subscribe or ring the bell or do whatever you need to do. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show.
Okay, welcome back to the program. Continuing now, our guest is uh, Mikel Insulaco, who is the Libertarian candidate for House District 10, which is Southwest Anchorage. You can find his website is House District 10, the number 10, HouseDistrict10.com, and you can find all of his different. Uh, uh, find all of his uh, different uh, ideas and his issues and everything else uh, laid out there. Um, I want to get into um, I want to get into some more of the details, um, uh, Mikkel, and talk a little bit about some of the solutions that are possible out there. We obviously are spending more, uh, you know, uh, in this state budget than ever before. We've obviously got one of the highest budgets uh, budgets on a per capita basis of any state in the nation. Um, and yet we continue to seem to have all these issues and problems. The biggest uh, budget lines, of course, from health and social services and education and everything else. I mean, when you look at this and you look at the budget of the state, do you think that we, uh, uh, you know, do do you think that we are spending too much, not enough, just right? I mean, where where do you put us, and what are your thoughts on um, on uh, you know solving, uh, depending on where you're at, on solving the issue? You know, I I kind of come from two perspectives here. I'm I'm all about trimming the fat first of all. Um, I think you know that's something that we can absolutely do um, with nearly every department across the state. Um, and I and I don't mean that in any way that's um, you know to be disrespectful to state employees or people in positions that are valuable or have created value. But I do believe that um, what COVID taught us more than anything was the fact that businesses and uh, government can can adapt or they don't, um, and then life goes on, right? Um, so, uh, you know, businesses and people can adapt if given the opportunity to. Um, and I also believe that there's a lot of solutions out there when it comes to governing people and addressing a lot of the issues that we see, um, that don't need to have a reinvention of the wheel happen. Um, what I mean by that is, is that with workforce development in particular, um, I believe solving the issue of workforce development is going to bring more money to the state in general. Um, there are plenty of projects. When anybody looks at Alaska, right, and they want to do a, a construction project, immediately you're looking at, if you want to make any type of investment, um, the cost of labor is high here, not just because of the cost of living, but because of the fact that there's not enough people here to do the work. Right. When you say, solving, so, when you say solving workforce development, uh, demystify that for us. I mean, what are you talking about when you say solving workforce development issues? What, is that, what does that mean? Yeah. So right now we're struggling. Um, what I mean is, is that uh, the workforce development issues that we're facing right now is, um, you know, we have tens of thousands of jobs coming our way with the infrastructure funding. Whether you like it or not, Alaska is going to be improved with all these great federal funds. And when that happens, there needs to be a, a substantial workforce in order to support those things. But that's but even before we get to that point, you know, the, right now between transportation and construction, we have thousands of jobs that are unfilled and high paying. And um, it doesn't make sense because what ends up happening is, is that we bring people from outside of Alaska and uh, those people have to get paid more money because of, of course, you know, moving expenses, all that other stuff, plus their cost of living. They had to go to Alaska to do this work, right? And um, a lot of the money doesn't stay up here. And as a result, all the cost of everything here in Anchorage to employ people in other industries will rise. Um, and so what the, the way to solve that is, is to look at what industries are suffering when it comes to workforce, right? And right now it's transportation and pretty much all of the trades. And when we look at what the solutions are, well, Alaska Works Partnership every week through various businesses are doing free 
employment training. And when I was working at Alaska Public Media, we had uh, the opportunity through Alaska at Work to survey students, survey businesses, and see where that disconnect was. And we created a whole program dedicated to eliminating the stigma of you need a four-year degree in order to uh, uh, have a successful career, right? right. Um, and we learned that there, that stigma was still very strong. Right. And not only that, people don't know where the resources are to get started, even though they're already there. So we spent all this money on, uh, on state programs. Alaska Works Partnership, I think, which, you know, it, as it's funded through the state through grants and other uh, partnerships, it does good work. But the funny thing about it is um, what all they're doing, and, is, is, and, and it's pretty powerful, is connecting businesses that want employees and are willing to provide the training. So why aren't we introducing this to schools? Why aren't we introducing this? across the board to ensure everybody has these opportunities. Right. Um, education, of course, obviously, again, the second biggest line item in the budget. Um, you know, we continue to have subpar scholastic achievement scores. Uh, you know, we're in the 48, 49, 50th place out of 50 states, yet we spend ever-increasing amounts of money. And now we're hearing, especially in the Anchorage area, oh, we're underfunded. $68 million hole. We need to increase the BSA. We need The answer seems to always be more money. Um, is the answer more money or is it a fundamental shift in how we do business and how we do things? Is it changing the system? Because obviously we've been throwing ever-increasing amounts of money at the same system for years, and it still appears to be broken. So w- what is the solution in your mind there? Is it consolidation? Is it bringing the school districts together? Is it, you know, re- is it creating more efficiencies? Is it consolidating schools, uh, you know, or, or school districts in this case? What is the answer? I believe, um, you know, I'm going to return back to what I mentioned a minute ago with COVID, and I hate to, you know, throw that in the bucket again. But the thing is, COVID showed us again that the education system, um, when, I, when we were at Alaska Public, we created an uh, at-home learning program through television that uh, we worked at ASD and North Star Borough to create. And when we did that, um, we learned that there wasn't a whole lot of preparations for at-home learning and uh, extra material to help keep students engaged when they're at home outside of just, you know, here's some books, right? And so we helped provide that, and it was, it was a great service. But the thing is, is that it, it helped me see that there was a big gap in, um, you know, education, but they adapted quickly. So what's funny is the school districts, over time, they adapted, and for better or for worse, I think everybody saw quite mixed results with what happened with remote learning. What we learned is not every student learns the same. Some need in-school format. Some do just fine working, you know, remotely. My, I, you know, I... I, uh, I have friends with young children that actually succeeded pretty well because they're independent, but I had some other children um, of friends of mine, you know, my kid's too young to go to school at the moment, but, uh, you know, that also had a, um, you know, similar experience, um, but then some not so much, right, where uh, their child struggled to, to keep attention and didn't feel like they learned much when they were working from home. Right. Um, so what I'm getting at is I believe the education system absolutely can be reworked, um, just even looking at what uh, we trimmed down in order to accommodate students in remote learning. Um, I'd like to see what we could do to identify um, ways to uh, to save money by reinventing our school system. And I and I I, I know there's pain with any change curve, but um, frankly, I would like to see some way for us to, whether through a constitutional amendment or um, to work within the bounds of the constitution, to allow students more uh, choices in their schools. So I am a uh, I am a I'm an I am an advocate for the. Uh, for school choice and for a school voucher um, with how much money is spent on each student and considering how much private education charges in Alaska and how much better they're able to deliver um, both in Alaska and across the country. 
I think it's a worth thing looking into. So like backpack funding where the edu- the funding follows a student rather than going straight to the school. That's uh, something you would support? Yeah, you know, I think in the very least, I would like parents to be able to have a choice to have uh, to have a, a, a large portion of their education uh, covered if they choose to go somewhere else. Either way, whether it's following the student directly or whether the base student allocation plus local funding um, allows for there to be a, a voucher given to, to parents and each student. Um, the thing is, is that when you look at how much public schooling uh, co- uh, costs per student, you know, we're looking at between you know seventeen to thirty thousand dollars, depending on where you're looking at it. Um, versus private schooling in Alaska can be between uh, $8,000 up to $20,000, but tends to deliver uh, significantly higher test scores. And I'm not talking about religious institutions. Places like Pacific Northern um, offer some very competitive tuition. And then they also even subsidize the tuition with grants from their own uh, members and their own parents. Right, right. Um, We're down to the last couple minutes here, and I know you said you had a slew of things that you wanted to do. So if you can wrap that up here in the last couple minutes and give us an idea of what those things are, and then your elevator pitch and how we find out about you, that would be, uh, that'd be great. So I'll give you the floor. Well, I think, you know, more than anything, what I want to do is remove obstacles for Alaskans to be able to live their life. I, I don't believe, and as a libertarian, and the main reason why I'm running as a libertarian is because I don't believe that I know best how to run your life. But I do believe that as long as you're not harming others and uh, you're doing what you can to uh, improve your life and life of those in your family, then you should be able to do what you want to do. Um, and, you know, and when it comes down to uh, what government's supposed to be doing, it's supposed to remove those obstacles to ensure that you can live your best life, that Alaskans can pursue businesses, that we have more cost-effective uh, infrastructure, but not through funding, but through essentially removing those obstacles to have um, both private and public in- infrastructure created. Um, you know, with, what I want to tackle is, is uh, I want to, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned with without a constitutional amendment, I'd like to protect us from uh, future taxation. You know, I think um, having that protected in the Constitution would be great, but any type of protections against that would be outstanding. Um, looking at opportunities for school choice and uh, protecting our PFD. And outside of that, I just don't want to create any additional structures that can be abused by future government. Funding, uh, funding expenditures that can, you know, go on forever or uh, um, laws that essentially can be abused because, you know, our current administration we might agree with. But if that same law can be abused by an administration five or ten years down the road, then it shouldn't happen now. Um, and I want to make sure that every Alaskan has their individual rights protected. I don't want to discriminate who has the right to defend themselves with the Second Amendment. I don't want to discriminate who gets to be able to go to school, who gets to be able to work, who gets to love and live their life as they choose. Uh, Mikel Insulaco, House District 10 candidate. Uh, Are you doing any meet and greets? Where can folks find out about you? Go. Follow me on Facebook for sure. I'm going to be doing some pop-up coffee uh, stuff here this week, actually. So um, I'll be popping up around schools in the morning, standing on the sidewalk, or probably right around this time between like, you know, uh, 6 and 8 a.m. or so giving away free coffee and donuts occasionally okay. um, in exchange for some great conversation. Also, um, I'll be hosting some events here real soon before the primary. So follow me on Facebook and keep posted. Okay. Uh, HouseDistrict10.com is the website. Mikel and Salako, thank you so much for coming and jo- uh, joining with us this morning. Hold the line. Folks, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Thank you. Uh, Mikkel, I'll give you one final bite at the apple in case there's something that we didn't get to or something we missed. Uh, I always like to give... Uh, the uh, candidates uh, one final bite with just the Facebook crowd here in case uh, in case we missed anything that you did, you wanted to hit on today. Uh, so uh, I'll give you the floor. 
Absolutely. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention is, is that I believe that decision-making needs to be restored to Alaskans at the most local level whenever possible. And this includes our fishery boards. Um, there's way too much influence from outside of Alaska on our fisheries. Um, the trawling industry in particular is something that, uh, you know, I'm not usually against, uh, you know, intervening in, in, the, in the market. But when it comes to trawling, it's absolutely destroying our fisheries at a rate that is uh, unfathomable. Um, you know, 10% of all salmon caught in 2020 um, were a result of trawling. And uh, in fact, more king crab was caught as bycatch and disposed of than king crab fishermen caught in 2020. Yeah, it's, no. it's, it, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, no. And so um, it needs to be restored back to Alaska at the most local level. And fisheries are just the first part. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that having seen those fisheries firsthand and seeing the uh, damage that the uh, that the draggers can do, it really worries me um, for the future of what's going on for sure. Uh, I mean, what we can control inside our territorial limits anyway ought to be uh, ought to be controlled for sure. Um, all right, Mikel Itzalaco, House District Ten. Thank you for coming on board, and good luck. Uh, we uh, look forward to seeing what happens here in the general. Only what four or five weeks away now? I mean, it's it's yep. right around the corner. All right, thank you, Mikel. Appreciate you coming on board this morning. Uh, thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Um, all right, uh, Mikel Insalaco, our guest. We've got Sharon Jackson. She's going to be coming up here in just a, a few moments, and uh, we're going to be talking with her uh, as well. Um, I I don't know what. And there he quoted the Satanic Bible. I don't know what. I don't, you guys are, <clears throat> some of you guys are like, wow, um, you're wandering around in a creepy deep end today. What is going on? Um, I'm just going back here and reading some of this, <laughs> reading some of this stuff. You guys are killing me. All right. Um, let me, um, um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm going back through here. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Got phone phone calls, phone phone things, text messages, the whole deal. Okay. Uh Sharon is uh Sharon Jackson will be joining us here in just a moment. We'll be talking with her. Um she should be uh, coming on here in just a hot second. Early voting is happening now, says Chris. Yeah, people can go get their uh Get their get their job on and uh, get things going on. Let me uh, make sure that uh, let me sh- make sure that I see Sharon Jackson here. I suppose I need to open up my email and make sure that there's no problems. Problems. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Got it. Got it. Look at that. All right. Um, man, I got I got some I got some emails that I didn't even uh, I didn't even know about. Um, okay, so uh, we've got uh, coming up this week. Josh Church um, is going to be joining us, and uh, hopefully that will uh, um, hopefully that will uh, be uh, uh, with us next week. We're holding keeping our fingers crossed Josh Church is with the convention yes and that should be a, a good discussion hey look at that I see somebody in the green room it looks like my friend the lovely Sharon Action Jackson uh good morning my dear how are you doing this morning good morning Michael 
I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good, good. Well, it's good to see you, and I appreciate you coming on board and joining us this morning. Uh, we're all ready to uh, we're all ready to dive into this with both feet. You uh, you prepped and ready, got your coffee, and you're all ready to go. Ready to go. Okay, good. All right. Well, good. I'm going to put you back in the green room, and uh, you can hang out there for just a minute. Sharon Jackson is our guest. We're getting ready to uh, to do our thing. It's been a while since we've talked to Sharon. It's good to see her out there doing her thing, and uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see what uh, what happens here in the next uh, uh, in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, Barbara Haney says early voting for FNSB assembly uh, is ready. If you're ready, vote Barbara and Brett for assembly. Les and Melissa for school board. I guess the school board race, from what I'm hearing, has been one of the. Uh, most contentious school board races in quite a while uh, up in the Fairbanks area. Uh, that was always kind of a dog-eat-dog world anyway, Fairbanks. Uh, when I ran for uh, office up there, it was uh, definitely <clears throat> it was definitely interesting. It was definitely a little combative, um, but uh, I'm glad to see that uh, folks are, uh, are engaged and ready, and I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, Barbara and everything else, early voting for the borough assembly and the school boards are up right now. So if you haven't haven't gone in and uh, and done it, you might want to beat the rush. Get that early voting in and get it done right now. Um, and uh, Mikkel, uh, there we go. Thank you, Mikkel. Mikkel uh, just joining us in the chat room saying thanks for having you on. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm interested to uh, see what happens in House District 10. I'm interested to watch what happens across the legislature right now, especially in regards to the business-as-usual crowd. Um, We've got some members of the business-as-usual crowd running to come back, uh, including Sharon's Sharon's opponent, um, Dan Sadler, wanting to come back. He's been wandering around talking about how what we really need is a binding caucus, which – now, that makes me scratch my head. That just makes me scratch my head. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what Sharon, where Sharon stands on this. Although I'm pretty sure I know. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second, folks. Make sure again you like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's get things going on. Here we go. Hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. 
That's right across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream and links to all of our social media sites, including Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, where we simulcast the show every morning, as well as our podcasts and more, and streaming across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is The Michael Duke Show. Hour two of The Big Radio Show, and we're continuing with our candidate interviews. We just finished up with Mikkel Insula who is the Libertarian candidate for House District 10 in southwest Anchorage. Now we move slightly north up into the Eagle River area. And this morning we are going to be joined by our friend Sharon Jackson, who is, of course, a candidate for House District 24. She comes on board to join us this morning to talk about all of the good stuff that's going on in the legislature. Good morning, Sharon. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful. How's the common sense crew? You know, everybody's doing good. The 6 o'clock club is rocking and rolling, and we're glad, to, although now we're into the 7 o'clock hour, we're ready to uh, to go and uh, and jump in and talk about things. Um, so, Sharon, um, uh, it's been a while since we had you on. You have been absent uh, for a little bit, but uh, gone but not forgotten, so to speak, and I'm glad to see that you're throwing your hat into the ring. Why don't you give us a little bit of background um, of uh, who you are, where you are, where you came from for those folks who've never, you haven't met you before, don't know much about you. Tell us a little bit about Sharon Jackson and uh, and where you come from. Good morning. Sharon Jackson comes from Pennsylvania, came to Alaska back in 83 by way of Army. I was active duty and, of course, love Alaska and made it my home. Uh, I've been an advocate for small business for many years, protecting them, warning them on legislation, both state and national, and how it would affect our family businesses. Right. I, I worked for Senator Sullivan because he, we met on the streets as I was advocating for small business and uh, joined his team as a constituent liaison, which I love because that's working directly for the people with federal agencies. But sitting there looking out the window in my backyard, I was watching our state crumble and I, I my spirit was compelled to do something about it. We have to start at home, so. Right. Um, I served in the last session, the 31st session, by way of appointment. I ran for lieutenant governor to protect our election process. Go figure. And here we are today. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it definitely, yeah, it definitely wasn't a waste. I say God has this sense of humor. I never had a desire to be in the legislative branch. However, serving the people in Juneau, I felt like I was where I needed to be to benefit the people of Alaska to the maximum. I, um, I did not win my last election process uh, by reason we left Juneau early because of COVID. So we had the law of the land hunkered down except for essential reasons. I thought sitting in a leadership position, being conservative, 
and we were doing contact tracing so i could see my face on the front page of adn for contaminating my district with COVID. so i dared not go and knock on doors and right. as many of you know i did lose my mother uh through that campaign process as well right so yeah that it was tough but you know what the last two years has been amazing i've served on three national boards two state boards and i feel like i'm bringing more to my state with the resources and the people i've been working with for the last two years so it's all good yep well, i'm we, here we know sharon jackson is a fighter uh we know who she is in, in a lot of ways for those of you who've never heard sharon before um her speech pattern might be slightly odd to you but she is a stroke survivor and that's again you just keep getting it out there you're one of the hardest working people i know and overcoming things like that um uh, definitely shows i think that stick to that we need and the perseverance that we need in a good legislator so um, it's good to have you on board. Um, well, this race, Sharon, we're watching it. And of course, we've seen who your opponents are. And as I was talking about earlier, kind of that business as usual crowd, um, the which is the, you know, the the good old boys network, so to speak. Um, and uh, and and I'm I'm curious as to what your take is on on everything's out there. Now, this time around, you're able to go around to your constituency, right? And talk to them. So tell yes. me, so tell me what what are people in your area, the Chugiak Eagle River area, what do they care about? I mean, is it the crime? Is it PFD? Is it uh, inflation? Is it the budget? What are your, what is your constituency saying to you? What is like the number one issue, number two issue that you're hearing about as you go door to door? Okay. So the number one thing I'm hearing is people are fed up with the status quo of business as usual in Juneau. And then here in Eagle River, our people have been deceived. You know, we say we're Republican, we get in and do whatever, not listening to our people. And I, I find that's the most frustrating aspect um, as far as the issues, parental rights, uh, PFD, crime, so family values is a major concern out here and families being able to raise their children how they see fit versus outside coming into the home to raise children and tell limiting the rights of the parents. Right. So we we have our work cut out, that's for sure. No, absolutely. Um, here on the program, of course, one of our fundamental topics is the PFD. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, that has been that you, you've been part of that. You've seen how that is the, the volleyball that gets batted back and forth in the legislature and sucks up all the oxygen in the room. Um, I mean, should we, should we finalize and finish this PFD issue? I mean, should we just pay the, should we just pay the dividend according to what the statute says, or should we keep fighting about it? Should we keep tapping into the PFD? What, what's Sharon Jackson's position on the permanent fund dividend? We have a statutory PFD, which is law. So we need to obey the law and pay the people accordingly. I see it. The PFD is separate. So it should have never been brought into the 
table of the legislative body. The budget. And it's time, yes, it, it's time to get the PFD off the table. We have some major, major issues to deal with. And if there's going to be any changes, the people need to change it. And then we need to do as the people have us do. But so, yeah, it's the law. It's work. So, I mean, is you're, you're suggesting that, uh, I mean, that means, you know, we've got the Constitutional Convention question ahead of us. Uh, and of course, m- much of the talk about the CONCON is, of course, enshrining the PFD formula in the Constitution so that the legislature can't choose to ignore it without breaking the constitutional law. So is that what you're advocating here? That as a CONCON, we need to vote for a CONCON and get that co- and get the uh, PFD enshrined, uh, the statutory formula enshrined in the Constitution? Yes, I, I say yes. Now, understand, I I understand that it's a two-sided coin, right? And we understand that, you know, there could possibly be dangers. But what makes me believe in the CONCON is you. You get to choose your delegates and whatever takes place in that convention the people get to vote on what passes and what don't. Right. I still believe, and we, the people, I, I believe that we, as a people, are underestimated, and it's an insult to think a few people are smarter than the whole body of people. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I was very uh, leery at the beginning of the CONCON, but the more I realized that there were stop gaps, there were, you know, there were checks and balances, that it had to be ratified by the people, that the people elected the delegates. Um, it's, uh, you know, I agree. I was very nervous, but the more I came to realize that there were uh, guide rails in place, the more I came to realize, really, it's the only solution we have. I mean, you've seen the dysfunction firsthand in the legislature. If this was off yeah. the table, we could actually get some work done down there, right? That's that's absolutely correct. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, I'm hopeful that more people uh, will see that. And your constituency, I'm assuming, would really love to have a full PFD. I mean, right? I mean, that we'd love to yeah. see what that could do for the economy. Absolutely. You know, we, I, I would stand on the floor and ask, who do we think we are to know better than you how to spend your money? You know, with the COVID-19, it knocked the wind out of our community business. If we gave a statutory PFD, could you imagine how many businesses would have been saved or start it for that matter. You know, we need right. to keep the money in the economy. Absolutely. Uh, Sharon Jackson is our guest, GOP candidate for District 24, which is in the Eagle River area, Chugiak Eagle River area. Um, Sharon, um, you're, uh, you know, you've got your opponent out there talking about a lot of different things. Uh, well, you've got a couple opponents, but the one that I'm thinking about, uh, uh, Dan Sadler, has been part of this before. Uh, again, what I would consider to kind of be the business as usual crowd. And he's been going around and talking to different venues, talking about what we really 
really need to do is go backwards and go back to a binding caucus to talk about. Now, we've talked about the Charter of Changes on this program with you in the past, and one of the major components of the Charter of Changes is changing the rules so that the binding caucus does not exist, uh, that the conflict of interest rules uh, are enforced, and that the Open Meetings Act are enforced. Do you still believe in those changes? Do you still believe that we shouldn't have a binding caucus? I do. I, I believe in those changes because they're principled changes. And when you're talking principle, principle don't change, right? Um, integrity doesn't change. And I agreed with uh, Senator Shower. He had a press conference when I was in Juneau, which I sat on with him to get rid of the binding caucus. So, you know, when you look at the last four years, there's been, we have made steps forward, even though we, we were in the minority, despite the people sending a majority of Republicans in. Right. But nevertheless, we have great, great um, legislators like Ben Carpenter and Sarah Vance and Ron Gill, you know, we have wonderful people, but as I see it, uh, with Dan Sattler, and don't get me wrong, this is not personal. This is business. He served Eagle River for eight years. I voted for him three times, but there is always a problem when, I don't know, some people say they drink the Kool-Aid, but it's not about that. I believe Juno brings out who people really are, you know, and um, we can't go backwards. We and I believe with the experience, you know, we have uh, Rep. Kathy Tilton as the leader of the House right now. Right. Are they coming in to bully them out, you know, to bring back the way old business as usual? You know, I don't call them rhinos. I call them Walker Republicans. And we we just can't we can't afford it, quite frankly. Uh, Sharon Jackson is our guest GOP candidate for District 24 in the state house. We're going to continue with her here in just a moment. Uh, we got to take a quick break. So we will uh, we'll do that here right now. And uh, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is The Michael Duke Show. Back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, Sharon Jackson is our guest. Uh, we are uh, in the commercial break right now, so let me go back and see if there's uh, any comments uh, for Sharon uh, here in the uh, chat room or any comments uh, going on overall. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling back through here to see. Uh, okay, nope, nope, nope. Okay. 
Uh, Joel says, wow, she acknowledged how dangerous it is. Amazing. And that is the CONCON. The CONCON, I think we all acknowledged it. Anybody that was looking at it understood that it is a two-edged sword. Um, you're opening up the Constitution for many, many changes. Luckily, not only do you get to elect the delegates and have them be in there with your voice, even if it is the most contentious split ever in delegates, the people still have to vote on what is coming out of the Constitutional Convention. So we still get a check. We still get a check. Right, uh, right, Sharon? That's right. The people are the boss. When I go door to door, I, I tell them, hopefully I'm meeting my new bosses. <laughs> right, yes. exactly. I mean, yeah, you are meeting the boss. Here's here's the boss. That's the people. They get their final mm-hmm. bite at the apple on that, and it's good to, it's good to see and good to know. Um, all right. Uh, what else we got here? Um, uh, this lady's absolutely amazing. She's the one we need to see back in Juno. So that's uh, good. To, good to see. And yeah, I would love to see you back in Juno down there. Uh, we're seeing this this push by many in the legislature who have been ousted in the past. Um, but the business as usual. I'm thinking, you know, the Kathy Geisels, uh, et cetera. Um, and the Dan Sadlers, who were part of that crowd that for years uh, refused to address the issue and instead supported spending billions of dollars out of savings to balance the budget. I mean, that's one of the things that I think that this new crop of Republicans, these conservative Republicans have really said, is that they they are there to uh, try and bring that spending under control because we no longer have the billions in savings to fix that. Right, uh, right Sharon? That's right. We do not. And, you know, I, I tell you what, if we spent as much money in empowering people and bringing them up as we waste money, keeping them down, we really don't have a problem. We have a mismanagement problem. That's what I believe. Right. Well, I think that there's a fundamental philosophical difference here. As you said, you don't know how to spend people's money better than they do. But there is a whole contingent in the legislature that believes that wholeheartedly. I mean, that, you know, that that wholeheartedly believes that they know better than you how to spend your money. I mean, anytime I see them talk about it that way or say things like, you know, it's government's job to create or it's government's you know place to create jobs and things like that. All I can think of is, no, you're wrong. It's the private sector. It's the public. It's the private economy that creates jobs. The public sector, the, the government is a net consumer. They're not a creator. They need to get out of the way. Right. Absolutely. If we put as much energy as in growing our community businesses as we do growing our government, oh my gosh, again, that's half the battle. We we don't have problems that we're saying we have. Right. We need to, you know, let the people get back to taking care of the people's business and the government need to take care of their business, which is the budget safety, which is major. Um, Look at Anchorage. It's unrecognizable. Right. And as they say, so goes Anchorage, so goes the state. So we really need to take care of the 
business at end, which is our budget and our our safety. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The uh, uh, the, the you know, the, the question is, what is the what is the uh, uh, Constitution require? Right. Public safety, that's infrastructure, right. education. Those are the three things we're supposed yeah. to have. Everything else is extra. It's nice to have, but it's not must have. Those three things need to be done. All right, we just heard the ding. We got to jump back into it here. Uh, Sharon Jackson is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Share the show, like this video. Let's do it. Here we go now. All right, we're continuing now. Sharon Jackson is our guest. She's a GOP candidate for uh, House District 24, which is in the uh, uh, Chugiak and Eagle River area down in Anchorage. Uh, she's uh, up for election, or uh, I was going to say running for re-election, but she was out this last cycle, so she's back doing her thing here, trying to make a difference. Uh, she did a lot of good work, I thought, when she was down there the first time. Uh, we were just talking about the PFD and kind of the attitude, you know, that politician's disease of we know better than you how to spend your money, which has been a big problem um, with, well, historically with politicians the world over for the last thousand years. We just happen to be seeing it here in the state of Alaska firsthand and in a big way. Uh, Sharon, uh, you, you talked about being for a statutory PFD for enshrining it. You're in favor of the CONCON. Um, you know, you're in favor of people being able to take back what they need. What are some of the other issues? I mean, we're looking at, you know, the state budgets. Is it too big? Is it too small? Is it just right? What 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 are your thoughts on where the budget is and what do we need to do moving into this next session? Well, the budget is way too big. I would like to see a constitutional spending limit also put in the uh taken care of and you know, the thing is, I don't know, and I know this is foreign language, so hold on, everyone, but what about a zero balance budget, right? Zero if we enshrine, budget. Yes, yes. If we enshrine the, you know, a spending cap, that's going to take care of that, right? And then we're still going to have to be creative and... uh balancing everything out and i think i believe if everyone comes to a committee saying how much they need for their administration or whatever department and we see that they have what they need to do what they do it will allow more accountability See, there's a lack of, you know, transparency and accountability. Let the people see everything. Right. No, zero-based budgeting. I mean, we've advocated on this program. That's number four on the Charter of Changes is changing the way that we budget. I mean, we would love to see a zero-based budgeting or even a budget that's based on a 
four or five year rolling average of what the revenues have been. I mean, at least it would be a good starting point. Instead, it seems like we just stick a pin in where we were at and say, how much more can we spend the following year? It seems like it's always an automatic increase. I mean, the education budget, uh, we keep coming back to that, but it is the number two line item in the budget as far as the size. And yet we... You know, we spend all this money, we spend ever-increasing amounts of money, exponentially in, uh, increasing amounts of money, and our scholastic achievement is in the bottom of the barrel. I mean, we come in 50th and 49th out of 50 states on many things. We've got a graduation rate where one in four students does not graduate, even at those low scholastic scores. And yet all they say is, well, what we really need is more money. What we really need yeah. is a base student allocation fix. What we really need is if you just give us more, we can make it work. But we've been doing that for the last 25, 30 years in this state, and it's not changing. Nothing is changing. Well, Michael, as they say, you can't use the same thinking to get into a problem to get out of a problem. We need to um, look at options. There's many options and there's many people with wonderful ideas. One of my favorite things about uh, meeting people going door to door is hearing their ideas and young and old. I love to talk to our young people because guess what people, they're not dumb either, you know? Right. And as I tell them, my community is my caucus. They are the boss. I'm going in to work for them. I have no agenda but protecting my district from, it's not like we haven't seen examples, you know, in other states, other countries, when you lose control of or taking the freedoms from the people, we must protect our freedoms. They're taking them, and once they take them, it's hard to get our freedoms back. So we need to protect ourselves. And I tell you what, I will go in all day to protect the rights of our people. You mentioned... Uh... You've mentioned the COVID pandemic a couple times uh, because it had such an effect. Obviously, it has a lingering effect on on everything that we're doing for the most part. But one of the silver linings that came out of the COVID pandemic was the fact that um, that the people discovered that they could take control of their own child's education. Uh, that with oh, yeah. distance learning or uh, you know learning pods or charter schools or all these other things, that they had a much better handle on what their kids needed than anybody else did. Um, do you believe that you know we should be offering um, citizens of the state you know kind of uh, you know backpack funding or voucher spending or something where they can make their choice for their own children's educational needs? Absolutely. And not only educational needs, but we need to let the parents make the social, you know, their social beliefs. Um, that belongs with the parents, not, not outside, you know. We definitely need a backpack. Yeah. The, the money should follow the students. Right. The parents know how each of their children learn. And you hear it all the time, you know, people with multiple children have different learning styles, but trust them to educate the child. 
And I believe we would be much better off as a society. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I have five children and each child has a different you know, one cut, one kid just eats it up doing it online and, and, you know, everything else. And he gets his schoolwork done in two hours a day. And the other one struggles all day to do the same kind of thing because his learning style is different. And so we have to adapt and we have to be able to do that. And you can't do that in a classroom with 20 or 30 kids. It's, it's impossible to try and adapt the learning style for all those kids. So yeah, backpack funding seems to make the most sense in that regard as well. Uh, Sharon, uh, you know, again, size and scope of the budget, uh, you know, size and scope of government. Uh, what would Sharon Jackson do getting down into Juneau? What's your, you know, what would be your plan as, uh, you know, the first uh, few weeks of the session would would kick over? What 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 are you going to be focusing on as you get down into Juneau? Well, again, focusing on the budget and something else we did not talk about. Why can't we do a two-year budget? Why do we have to do it every year? When you work with legislators across the country, I think we are one of the few states, not many, do a budget every year. Um, We need to change that to a two-year budget. Um, We we have a lot of work to do uh, besides the budget, I would like to see a certificate of need. We need to do some work on that because what I'm convinced of, people are not feeling well. Right. When you don't feel well, you don't do well. Right. You know, and when we look at our country and all this noise going on, you know, I, I think is bigger than black and white R's and D's. I I, I think is good and evil, I'm just saying. I I believe we're dealing with a spiritual warfare that's showing up in the things that we can see, touch, and feel. And I know, I I say I I should wear a body cam when I go door to door because the majority of people think like we do, they're frustrated like we are, and they're good, just Christian-based people with a beautiful family, want to be free to raise their family, make a living, and go about their business. They should not have to worry who we elect. Are there? Are they going to be authentic and do what we ask or not? You know. So I, I tell them when I take that oath, I'm making a promise to God to do right by the people. You know, Michael, there's no room for personal agenda, lust for greed or power. Our job is to take care of the needs of the people. Right. Uh, Sharon Jackson, our guest, GOP candidate for District 24 in uh, Eagle River uh, and the Chugiak area, uh, joining us this morning to talk about uh, uh, to talk about things. So what are uh, you know, what are some of the things that you would focus on, Sharon? Give me your hit list. If you walk into the legislature tomorrow, what is your hit list? What are the things that you are going to immediately focus on as you go in through those uh, through those doors there? Okay, so let, let's talk about health care for a second. Um, we need, so in the last two years, one of the boards that I serve on is veterans in pain. So for two years, I experienced um, veterans healing through 
the modality of regenerative medicine, which is stem cell hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And Michael, I've witnessed miracles. At least three were confined to wheelchairs and now they're up living a productive life. I would like to see some more um, options as far as treatment right. for, uh, for healthcare. You right. know, we are a right to try state. All we need to do is change the language, get the certificate of need in place. I, I don't think our big hospitals should be threatened by uh, other options, you know. Well, um, more choice is always better. I mean, that's my problem with the certificate of need issue is you're treating people like somehow they don't, they can't make their the best decisions for themselves, you know, requiring the government to intervene whether or not a medical business can open. That should be up to the market. The market should decide, do they offer something that I can use? And, uh, and, and is it something that I want to try? That's what should happen with a certificate of need. It should people, people should be able to make their own choices. And that regard yes and and the major major first order of business is organizing as a majority because i'm sure okay i have enough faith for all of us i believe we're going to send a majority of republicans in right we need we need to make sure that I believe over the last two sessions, we built a cohesive uh, house and Senate, or I, I just pray we keep, you know, Senator Shower and Holland, you know. Exactly. But I, I, am, I am feeling the pain of, if you're too conservative, like, that's not being favored Right. At all. No, they are no. definitely they're definitely not the popular kids in school oh, if you're the no. conservative one. No, I'm I'm the stepchild, but you know what? That's not going to stop me. Right. It real it, it, it's not. So, you know, I I don't have to have money from the party, you know, like they act like I don't exist. And don't get me wrong, I I'm not trying to disrespect, but I'm trying to share my experience right, you know right. and it's as if i don't even exist so that makes this the people's race this is all about the people sharon we're coming down to the end here i want to give you the last couple minutes to uh give people your elevator pitch you know what uh, what you know why should they vote for you versus your opponents uh you know how do they find out more about you i posted your link in the chat room a couple times here um but uh, tell uh, tell folks how they can get a hold of you are you doing events what are you doing here's the time for your final uh you know your final pitch sell us on why sharon jackson is the choice for house district 24. thank you well i have been a conservative republican loving my constitution forever. So I've never voted any other way. So what you see is what you get. I am having a fall festival fundraiser at Lions Club here in Eagle River on Sunday afternoon between three and six. Come on down, show your support. I need your help. I, I need your help. I To see you inspires me, but we're going to have good food, we're going to have auction. We have a semi-automatic uh, shotgun. Uh, 
a 22 millimeter ammo or Alaska furs. So come on down. You can reach me at jacksonforhouse.com. And it will be an honor and a privilege to serve the people of Alaska again. Though I'm running in District 24, Chugiak, Eagle River, when we're in Juneau, we represent all of you. And again, it will be an honor. I can't be bought and I won't be bullied. So yep. let's get the people's work done. All right, Sharon Jackson, House District 24. Sharon, thank you for coming on board this morning. We appreciate it. Hold the line for just a, hold the line for just a second, folks. Uh, we got one final segment coming up. I'm going to open up the phone lines if you guys would like to sound off on anything this morning that you've heard or things you'd like to discuss. That's what's coming up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, Sharon Jackson is our guest. Uh, one final bite at the apple. I always like to give uh, folks uh, one more chance, Sharon, just in case there's something we didn't hit on or something that you wanted to cover. Uh, now's the time. We got a couple, three minutes here in the commercial break, so I'll give you the floor and let you uh, uh, just pontificate on whatever it is that we may not have gotten to or anything that you uh, want to sound off on before we let you go. Thank you very much for having me. I, I miss being on the show, but I watch you every morning. You are my cup of coffee. Um, oh, you know, our event on Saturday is a family event. Bring the kids, okay. bring the whole family. Yeah, we're going to have a rides. It's going to be amazing. But you know what? Don't be discouraged like encourage people that you know you can trust that will go to juno and represent you we are out here if a stroke didn't take me out this nonsense won't right, so let's right. get this work done no we gotta <laughs> we gotta fight for it we gotta fight i mean i think that there are more people out there that like you said are more you know, kind of liberty-minded, conservative, independent, you know, kind of maybe they don't belong to a party, but they they need to know that there are other people like them out there. And uh, it's good to know that uh, folks like you are still fighting for it and making it happen. Where's this event on Saturday one more time in case people missed uh, where it is? It's at the Lions Club Park here in Eagle River. It's an indoor event. So, um yeah, right down from Walmart. Okay. I think everyone knows where Lions Park is, but that's where we're going to be, and we would love to see you. All right, Sharon Jackson. Again, you can find her at jacksonforhouse.com and uh, get all her stuff in there. It's always good to see you, my dear, and uh, we hope to uh, we hope to see you again soon uh, as a representative again. It would be good to have you back in there, and we hope that uh, – uh, we hope that you persevere in this uh, in this battle here for State House. Thank you for coming on board. 
Thank you. Keep up the good work out there, Michael. All okay. right. I appreciate that. Bye. Thank you. Uh, Sharon Jackson, uh, Sharon Jackson, our guest here, the Michael Duke show. Um, all right. Uh, that means uh, we are coming up uh, on the final segment. Uh, I guess that means that I need to uh, kick on, turn on the phone lines, and do all that stuff, huh? Let's uh, let's get that uh, let's get that all squared away here this morning and get stuff ready to rock and roll. All right, this is gonna pop for a second for you guys. I'm not gonna boom. There it is. It just did it. Okay, uh, we'll try one more time, and there we go. Okay, so hopefully. Pivot. Yep, we didn't want to get uh, get everything squared away. Okay, all right, we are now ready to take phone calls. See how that worked out? Worked out real good, real good. All right. Okay, phone lines are open, ready to go. Um, go Sharon Jackson. Um, go Sharon Jackson. The event is Sunday, said Jim, not Saturday. Okay, so it's Sunday. Um, there you go. Okay. Keep up the good work. Um, Politidick says, uh, big lake had his first frost this morning. Fuel oil is double what I paid last year. The swamp in Juno could have helped cover my $12,000 in additional costs this year because of the record breaking inflation. Instead of doing the right thing and following the law, they lined the pocketbooks of the swamp with $18 billion, stealing 14,000 from each and every Alaskan, totaling $10 billion from Alaskans. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you look at what's going on and you look at what people are having to do. I mean, when somebody goes to fill their fuel tank and it's a 500 gallon fuel tank and it's 2,500 bucks. Yeah. That's a pain. That's pain right there. My friends, that is pain. Uh, like there ain't no other. It's, uh, definitely frustrating to see those things come around. Um, all right. I like Sharon's vibe. Not gonna lie. Says Daniel. Yeah, me too. I, I like I like her too. She is a firecracker, um, you know. And when you realize what she's overcome, um, um, it uh, it it's it's tough. I mean, she she overcome a massive stroke and is able to. I mean, she wasn't able to talk for a while, and now she's able to go out there and function and fight and do all those things. It's uh, um, it's it's good stuff. It's uh, she she does good work. Um, definitely an inspiration for, uh, for many folks. Uh, all right. We are coming up on it. We are about 40 seconds out right now. It looks like we've got, uh, one line on hold. We'll take that call here on the other side and see what they have to say. Uh, been listening. Sharon's one of the best says Robbie. I agree. I agree. She is awesome and she would be great in Juno. I agree with that as well. Um, all right. Uh, jumping back into it, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you haven't liked and shared, I I would appreciate if you would like and share and follow and do all those things. Let's get back into it. Here we go. Uh, jumping in in four seconds. Three, two, one. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for continuing with us. 
The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. One final segment. Now, coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to have Brad Keithley and Chris Story. On Wednesday, we're going to be talking with Cliff Grow and Jessica Wright. And on Thursday, Rosalind Casey and Stephen Wright. So full full boat this week. Full boat going on. So I love love to see what's what's happening here. Uh, let's continue on these discussions now. I've opened up the phone lines at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. And uh, we're going to take some calls here in the uh, last segment of the show. See what you guys care about. See if there's anything that caught your ear on this morning's interviews or what. Let's start off over here and we'll say, good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Hello, Randy. What's up? I just agree with you. Sharon Jackson is inspirational, having gone through some of the hardships she's gone through. Um, What I wanted to talk about is uh, we have the local election coming up here in Fairbanks, and I guess probably elsewhere, local elections. And we have the city mayor's race, and I wanted to urge people to be very careful of who they vote for for Fairbanks city mayor. There's two candidates running, Valerie Therrien, a uh, city council member, she is, and uh, David Cruz, who served two terms on the city council before. And uh, I'm strongly in favor of David Cruz. I am very much afraid of Valerie Therrien. Uh, I have nothing personal against her at all. Um, you know, I've seen her around for years, you know, I've hardly ever talked to her, maybe a sentence or two, but anyway, um, you know, seems like a nice person, but what she, what she, her, her programs are horrific in, in my view, and as I've mentioned to you before, uh, she voted for that sweeping uh, authoritarian anti-discrimination ordinance uh, back on uh, Mar- uh, February 25th, 2019. It was passed by a four to two vote in the city council by the four left-wing members there, and uh, it would have brought about uh, uh, unnecessary burdens upon local businesses, intrusive measures. Uh, it, it, and if anyone wants to read about 6093, uh, that ordinance, um, they can go to my website at keepfairbanksfree.com, uh, keep and they can see just how dangerous this ordinance is and, and what a tremendous burden it would have been. And, and how it takes away freedoms, you know, our basic freedom to choose. Right. And um, um, so please don't, please watch before you step out into traffic and get run over um, if you vote for Valerie Therrien, because <laughs> I called her up on the radio when she was on Problem Corner on September 2nd, and I told her, you know, you seem like a nice person and everything, but I'm scared to death that you'll get, if you were elected mayor, and I talked about 6093, and, and she, in the course of that conversation, said that she would support it if it came up again. And the danger, at that time, we had Jim Matherly there to save us. You know, they passed it 4-2. to two. Right. Uh, he, he pondered that for a few days, and then he, he uh, vetoed it. They tried to override his veto. They needed five votes. They couldn't. But this time, if she is mayor and we get just three uh, left-wing, which there's some running for, for the office right now, if we get three left-wing um, uh, council members on there, she will cast the deciding vote, and Fairbanks will never be able to get rid and we, of that law, and we'll lose our freedom that we've, the level of freedom that we've had since, you know, 1903. Right, so, no, exactly. Be, careful, be, be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah, that was the perfect storm when that law, when that ordinance was put forward, that was the perfect storm, and it was only because of the, uh, it was only because of the courage of Mayor Matherly 
that that thing was uh, was defeated. And you're right. I think that that would be a very, very dangerous precedent. And I think that if she did get elected to office, that that would probably be on the agenda shortly thereafter, uh, because that's something that they've wanted to get in there for a while. I agree with you that I think Cruz is the choice there. Um, uh, for people who want smaller, more limited government and don't want those kinds of overreaches. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that, Randy. Um, and, uh, and I agree with you. I hope that, uh, I hope that, uh, folks are listening and paying attention out there. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off this morning on anything that, uh, they went out. What do you think of the candidates? What do you, you know, what were your thoughts? Um, I liked a lot of uh, what uh, Mikel Insolaco had to say. I think that uh, he uh, uh, he had some he had some good points. Um, I uh, I again disagree with him on the con con simply because I think that that leaving the people the final choice is not a bad thing. Now, as somebody pointed out in the chat room, I think it was Jim earlier on that pointed out in the chat room that hey, uh, the people are the ones that voted in like Murkowski and. And uh, and, uh, you know, all he he listed a bunch of stuff. The people voted for Walker. They voted for rank choice voting. They voted in liberal borough assemblies uh, and city assemblies and Murkowski. So it's not that the people are infallible. It means that we must stay engaged. So if we're going to have uh, if we're going to have a uh, a a constitutional convention, we must be engaged at every level. Otherwise, something could go wrong. Something could, I mean, we they could make a change in the Constitution, and if we're not paying attention, it may be something that's detrimental. It means that we have to, uh, it means that we have to continually be engaged. We can't grow weary in well-doing. And the Constitutional Convention is a long process, so it's not like we can start and then stop paying attention. We've got to continue to pay attention from start to finish. And we're talking about a three-year process here, folks. So we definitely need to be, you know, really, really paying attention to that. But I still support that. I was initially very nervous, initially very nervous, worried about it. Now, not quite so much. Not quite so much now. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it'd be a good opportunity um, for us to make some of those changes that I just think that there's not. I mean, that was the only thing that, again, that I disagreed with Insulaco on was I just don't think that there's the political will to fundamentally change things with the legislature itself. Uh, now, does that mean we've got to just change out more? Maybe if we changed out more of the players, maybe that would help. But in the meanwhile, there's just no political will to to make all those things happen. It, it's just not it's just not working. So uh, anyway, um, we'll have to see we'll have to see where this goes. Uh, you know how this how this all plays out. But I for one uh, think that right now the Constitutional Convention is the only way we're going to be able to make the changes that that are needed in the legislature because they obviously. They, being the legislature, obviously just don't don't have the political will to make it happen. The business as usual crowd is continuing with the business as usual. That's what they're doing. They're moving forward and they're 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 steamrolling full you know full speed full speed ahead. And of course, trying to get back in there with people like Kathy Geisel and Dan Sadler and others who have been part were part of the problem. I loved what Sharon said. You can't use the same mindset that got you into a problem to get you out of a problem. 
And that's the problem. Do we want to continue to send the same people back that got us into the problem? Or do we want to come up with some, you know, something new? That's the that's the question. All right. Well, um, that's it for today. Uh, we are uh, we're coming up on it. Tomorrow is another one. Joining us on the show tomorrow, Brad Keithley and Chris Story will be with us tomorrow to talk about uh, oh the weekly top three and our weekly life coaching lesson. Then on Wednesday, candidates Cliff Grow and Jessica Wright will be joining us. Uh, followed by more candidates on Thursday, all the way out to Firearms Friday, where Zach Weissmuller with Reason Magazine will be joining us. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. All right, my friends, we are out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, and live well, even those that are mad at you. Love them. We'll see you. All right. Um, somebody just called in at the last minute here. And, uh, of course, we ran out of time. But let's, why not? Let's take a call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. And I did not want to be on the air, but Michael, listening to Sharon Jackson, I just have incredible peace. Um, it's that she just has no deception in her. And uh, I really appreciate your covering people from all over the state because we get to know them before they actually get to Juno again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Sharon is one of those rare gems that is, you know, again, what you see is what you get. And I love that about her. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she, like you said, she, she has nothing to hide and she does a good job. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Carlene. It's good to hear from you. I hope things are Please going. Please encourage her. I just wanted her to be encouraged. You bet. You bet. Well, maybe she's listening right now. We'll make sure that we pass it on. Carlene from Kodiak. Thank you so much, Carlene, for coming on board this morning. Uh, all right, folks, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.